This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I, w- I want to look at a couple couple verses here. I wrote some notes down while I was right there at the end of praise and worship. Just write this one down. I want to quote a couple to you. Jeremiah 3.15, God said, I'll give you pastors with my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He said, I'll give you pastors with my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I do my best to keep the heart of God, the love of God. I do my best to stay fresh in the Word of God, to keep my mind renewed to the Word of God. I go over things I've learned over and over again all the time to make sure I stay sharp, I stay fresh. I submit to my pastor, Dr. Barclay, at every opportunity I'm around him, to let him input into me, lay hands on me, listen to his teachings. Uh, one of Dr. Barclay's uh, serious sons of the faith been in the ministry like, what do you say, 40 years? Where was that Wednesday night, Dr. Johnson? And... Many of you have been to Dr. Johnson's church down at Vista. We were down there the other night, and I just sat there and uh, told you this morning, I didn't have my Bible or things with me, wasn't planning on staying, but I have a little notebook like this to carry in my pocket. I filled up several pages of notes down there because I want to learn, I want to grow, and I know if I get away from the Word, I'll quit growing, and I'll start getting stale, and I won't have anything. So I'm a pastor after God's heart. I want to stay close in prayer. I want to stay close in how I live. I want to stay close to the Word of God. And so, he said he'd give you pastors like that. So I want to show you some things tonight. And I just want to give you a couple other verses I don't want to go to because I want to get to where I'm going. I just wrote down some things. And I have these in me because I put them in me over the years. Now listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Write this down. 1 Corinthians 12, 8. This is important. God said in 1 Corinthians 12, 8. He sets each member in the body as it pleases him. In other words, God puts you in the church he wants you in. God puts you with the groups of Christians he wants you with. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this is back when I was a young boy, when I was in between eighth grade and freshman in high school, my family had never been church people, but God was drawing me. And I started going to my grandma's church with her, uh, a nice church back in Indianapolis. But they weren't a spirit-filled church, but they were a good church. We have a lot of good churches around here that are good churches, but not spirit-filled churches like ours. You know, there's a lot of churches that if you went into today, and this is not a hit on churches, just different churches. You went in today, and you said, Pastor, I've been diagnosed with serious cancer. My baby has serious this. Would you pray for me? They'd say, oh, the will of God be done. The will of God be done. Well, you have to know the Word of God is the will of God. God's will is God's word. God's word tells you God's will. God's will said, call for the elders of the church in James 5.14. Let them anoint you for all in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, God's will said, believers lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, God's will says he took our sins, he took our sicknesses, and by his stripes we were healed. God's Word says in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And so a lot of churches don't teach that. And that's what I said. I'm not knocking on churches in different churches. Because God sets you in a church like this, we can teach you some things. We can show you some things. You can get your family healed from cancers and serious things. Talk to a young mother in the church this morning. And I remember that family started coming to church here probably eight or nine years ago that they had one of the young son had serious asthma, real serious asthma. I remember the first few months they were here, they'd come in, they knew nothing because they came out of nothing, Bill. <laughs> they didn't know anything. They would come in and say, well, we was out the hospital all night last night to get for our son because of the serious asthma attacks. This was going on over and over again. And so I taught them from the Word of God how to get that off their son and praise God. As far as I know, he hadn't had any for years. He just lives a normal life. Matter of fact, he's, 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 he's a little soccer star. Amen. He likes to wrestle and punch around and do things. Today's his ninth birthday. Well, happy birthday, young man. He's healed. So now this family now, they have, they, have a, they have a fairly new baby, and the baby's having digestive problems. And so they're standing on God's Word just like they did back then, 
And she told me this morning, the same Jesus that healed my sons, healed my other son now. Amen. And so I'm saying that to say this. Listen to me closely, church. All churches don't teach that. In the book of Acts chapter 4, in the book of Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were persecuted because they got a lame man healed, in Acts chapter 3 verse 1, said they laid hands on a crippled man like 38 years old and never walked. They got him healed. And so then the religious people of the day wanted to persecute them because they weren't religious like them. They were actually doing what Jesus said they could do. And so they got the man healed. And then it says that they threatened them to beat them and put them in prison. And then it says they went back to their own company. Well, at that point in time, there was approximately 8,120 believers in Jerusalem. When you look at the people got born again between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 4, 3,000, 2,000, 120 on the day of Pentecost. You go through there, there was at least 8,120 people that were Christians at the time. But it says they went back to their own company, which means their own group. There's different groups of Christians today. We have lots of different denominational Christians, lots of spirit-filled Christian groups, but God puts each member of the body as it pleases him. And so they went back to the group of people where they could share with and not get laughed at or mocked because they were telling what they believe in God to do, etc., etc. They were at their own place. And so I said that getting around to this. When I was in between eighth grade freshman and high school, I went to that good church, but they didn't teach about the Holy Ghost. They didn't teach about healing. They didn't teach about cast out devils. They didn't teach about speaking in tongues and all the different things churches like ours teach. And so I didn't know how to tap into the power of God. So between the persecutions, you know, it's, it's a shame sometimes. And I love my dad and mom. I led them both to Jesus before they died. They're in heaven now. But I'd always worked since I was eight years old. I was raised from a generation, the, right after the World War II generation, they call it the greatest. We were the baby boomer generation. Well, when, I was eight years old. I started shoveling snow and cutting grass around town because we were taught that way. So I'd always worked, always worked. And so when I was, uh, I spent the summer working for a carpenter that summer and going to my grandma's church and my dad and mom found out I was tithing off that money that was my money. So they started taking my money. They said, you know, I'm going to give your money to that church. And I didn't know a lot what to say except I'm not giving it to the church. I'm giving it to God. But my dad and mom, they weren't mean people. They were just ignorant. And they thought they would rather have it for their booze than have me give it to a preacher. And so my, 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 my older brother was a, I, don't, I, don't, I guess it's an okay word. People correct me all the time. But my brother's what we call a jock. He was a serious uh, champion wrestler of the high school wrestling team. He had the leather jacket, had the colors on it like that. He hung around the in crowd, and I was a little nerd. And so I was a little freshman nerd preaching to the cheerleaders, preaching to the high school, whatever they called them. They called the Letterman's Club. Every Friday, those guys strutted down the hallways with their muscles and their jackets on, and his little pimple-faced brother tell them they need to get saved. And so between my brother persecuting me, Dad, Mom, make him shut up. He's embarrassed me in front of my friends. My dad and mom taking my tithe money. I didn't have the power or the tenacity within me to resist those things. So I backslid after a year of being on fire for Jesus. And then when I was 28 years old, 28 and a half years old, God started drawing me. This time he drew me to a Pentecostal church. And at the Pentecostal church, they taught not only about Jesus the Savior, but Jesus the Holy Ghost baptizer. And so I got filled with the Spirit. I got filled with the power of God. And then things tried to come against me for my family again. But this time, I had the power in me to resist those things. I had the power in me to know how to bind the devil. I had the power in me to stand up and be strong. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, I don't know how much of a personal life I can tell sometimes. But I just say this. I had been divorced before I got saved. And then when I got saved... My ex-wife came against me and told my, and I was already a grown man, told my dad and mom, he went off the deep end. He's around these people, these holy roller people. And stuff like that. So one day, my, my family, and I was a grown man, two little girls, already been on my own for years, threatened to put me in the sane asylum. They all backed me up and they told me, we're going to have you committed because you talk in tongues. And they were sinners. They talked in cussing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and blasphemy and everything else. And so I remember what I said. 
I had the Holy Ghost in me and I knew what I had. All I did, and they said, you're going to lose these little girls. I had lost them before. You know, I'd get my relationship established back now because I was a Christian man. They said, you're going to lose these little girls and you're going to lose her too. I already lost her a long time ago. But I had something now I didn't have then. My marriage wouldn't end like it did if we'd known Jesus. And so they told me, he said, we are going to have you committed. And I remember what I said. I looked up at him, but I had the strength to do it. I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. If you put me in there, Jesus would be with me. Well, I never went there. Praise God. I knew how to do some praying then. But I said that to get around to this then. The Pentecostal church knew about the Holy Ghost and the power of God, but they were goofy in a lot of other areas because they didn't teach the Word of God. Amen. God wants us to be filled with the power, but God wants us to know how to use the power. You know, a loose cannon can hurt a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that have just enough of the Holy Ghost with no understanding to go around doing goofy things. And when you do goofy things, then you do more damage than good. And so I was in that Pentecostal church for just a few months, probably about uh, seven or eight months. And then God put me in a word of faith church like this here. And so then I'd learned about the power of God and the Holy Ghost things. But then I got stable in my spiritual understanding where I began to understand some things. In other words, the Pentecostal church was like a wildfire church. A lot of really wild things happened. A lot of them were God things. Some of them were flesh things. And some of them were probably even demonic things, just goofy stuff that hurt people, didn't help people. And so God got me in a word church and got my mind renewed, got me stable. And so tonight, that's what I'm saying. I want to show you some things from the Word of God to help you be Holy Ghost people, but be stable people where you can do more good than harm and help people. Amen. So with that, look at John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12. And, you know, I, I remind you what I've done a lot of times. Still do sometimes, and some churches do this. We hold up our Bibles a lot of times, and we say, this is my Bible. This is the Holy Written Word of God. This is God talking to me. I believe what God says. I can have what God says. And I can do what God says. And so if we believe that tonight, we're going to look at some scriptures here. And if this shakes your theology, some previous things you've had in your head that you haven't been taught from the Bible, just remember this. This is the Bible we're talking about. It's not a man's opinion, but we are a Holy Ghost church. We're a word church, and we need the addicts and the perverts in your families delivered and set free. Amen. We need the people in your family that have serious medical diagnosis healed. And they don't have to come here to get healed. They have to come here to get delivered. But you can take it to them if you know how. Amen. So that's what we're talking about, how to do what God wants you to do. So John chapter 14, verse 12 Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, and I did my thing, I tell you about all the time right there. I put right there, this means me. He's talking about me, because I believe on Jesus. How many of you believe on Jesus? Say this then, say, He's talking about me. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he never do. The works that I do, the twelve apostles can do. He says, the works that I do, who shall do? He that believeth on him shall do also. Shall do also. Jesus healed the sick no matter what the sick was. Jesus delivered the addicts. Jesus delivered the doubted outers. Jesus helped people with the power of God. And Jesus said, if you believe on him, you're supposed to do what he did. Amen? Amen. It says, shall he do also greater works than these shall I do, because I go unto my Father. You notice Jesus said, at greater works shall he do. Greater works. I'll tell you one greater work, really the only one I think of, that we can do. We can do something Jesus couldn't do. When Jesus was on the earth, he couldn't give eternal life to people. Because to receive eternal life, the new birth, you got to believe that Jesus died. And was raised from the dead. So when he was here... There's a lot of things he could do 
but you couldn't be born again because you only get born again by believing he died and was raised from the dead. Amen. And so something we can do that Jesus couldn't do while he was alive, we can hold somebody's hands or pray for somebody and say, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that God raised you from the dead? Then say this prayer with me. Jesus couldn't have somebody pray that prayer because you couldn't pray that prayer yet. And so to me, the absolute greatest work in the whole universe is get somebody on the inside changed from darkness to light, from the nature of Satan to God, to where they can go to heaven when they die. And, you know, you think about, you think about the love of God. God doesn't make it hard to get to heaven. He makes it easy to get to heaven. You can find the biggest scoundrel in the whole world. And I've found a lot of them over my, over my many years of Christianity and Christian ministry. And they can be on their deathbed. They've been absolute God-haters all their life. But something happens to people when they have that last season of life, where they still got their faculties they can think, they can look back at all the different times. And Mrs. Pastor said a while ago, somebody plants a seed, somebody waters a seed, but then God gives the increase. And so that miracle takes place. There's no way this person should ever, 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 ever deserve to go to heaven, but none of us did either. And you can pray that a miracle takes place, that great work takes place, Praise God, I'm going to see Uncle Jose in heaven. Hallelujah. He prayed that prayer with me. Uncle Jose, that guy that everybody didn't like. That guy that was so mean to everybody. He received eternal life. And you see that smile come on their face. You see those tormenting things leave because that greater work took place where they get to go to heaven when they die. And that's something we can do that Jesus couldn't do. And so the thing is, if Jesus said we can do the works that he did, we got to find out what we got to do. Amen. And so this means me. Say, this means me. Amen. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I'm going to feed you with knowledge and understanding because I'm a Jeremiah 3.15 pastor. John chapter 4. This is the story of what we call the lady at the well, the Samaritan lady. I want to get over to verse 13 and verse 14. I want you to see this. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talk about that water she bring up out of the well. But look what he said. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. And so you think about the symbolic things that Jesus talked about. A well is for your household. A well is going to be a thing out in your backyard probably, or maybe your front yard. It's going to have enough water in it that the water comes out of that well takes care of this household. Well, the Bible also says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's your household. You live inside of this temple here. And so he said, I will give you a well of water that will spring up into everlasting life. That's talking about the new birth. When you get born again, water symbolic of the Spirit of God. When you get born again, the Spirit of God comes into you to take care of your life with that water to give you everlasting life. So he said that water, that new birth, will take care of you. Now I want you to go to John chapter 7. I hope you're taking notes. These will help you. And maybe this helps some of you tonight to get something tonight in this service that you need. But if not, if you've already got it, then you take this to somebody else and show it to them. That's the whole thing. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so when you feed people of knowledge and understanding, then they'll have faith to believe it. I like something Gloria Copeland said years ago, and it's always stuck with me. Now listen to this. This is a nugget. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Once you see something in the Bible and you know what God's position is on it, you've got faith for it then. And so you can't have faith for something you don't know about. You can hope, but you don't have faith. And you've got to have hope where you have faith, but your hope needs to be turned into faith. You can hope to get something, but if you're not sure where God stands on it, you can't pray in faith. You're just hoping. You know the expression, well, we're just hoping and praying. That's why so many Christians are just hoping and praying because they don't know. But when you're in a church like this, we teach you what the Bible says. You're not hoping and praying anymore. You're praying in faith. 
Yeah, because you're praying in faith. It's like the lady told me this morning about her baby. Said we're speaking to the mountain. Said she wrote it down up here on the thing. We're writing scripture down. Says she right down there, Mark eleven twenty three. Said that's what we did for our son. Now that's what we're doing for our other son. We're speaking to the mountain. Be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. We're not doubting in our hearts, but we're believing what we're saying is coming to pass, and we're having what we're saying. Our son is healed. He has normal digestive things. He can eat what he needs to eat, drink what he needs to drink. God's, that's the way God made his body, because Jesus said, by his stripes we're healed, so we're healed. Amen? And so faith begins where the will of God is known. Amen. If you want to clap, you clap. It's not going to interrupt me. Amen. God, God's talking. God's helped you see some things. And so then John chapter 7, verse 37 and verse 38. Look at this. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then notice what he says right then after that. Uh, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so he said, he said that you need the well, but then you need to get the river. He said, out of his belly, that's your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers take care of communities. Rivers take care of cities. Rivers give water to multitudes. And so, you need the well to take care of you, but you need the river to take care of lots of people. He said, out of his belly, belly shall flow rivers of living waters. Can you see the difference? Jesus said, you need the well. That's where you start off at, but then you need the river. Amen, amen. I'm thinking about something Dr. Johnson said, wisdom I'd never heard before. Because said Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost. Have you ever noticed that Holy Ghost ministries are where miracles take place? Holy Ghost ministries is where people get delivered. Holy Ghost ministries is where you hear the testimonies. Holy Ghost ministries do things that other people don't normally do. And like I said, all the ministries are good ministries that preach Jesus. But Holy Ghost ministries hit cities. And they shake up the nations. They shake up the world. But Dr. Johnson the other night got talked about this just a little bit. And he said, look at your shoes. But look at your shoes. And said, do you notice that your shoes have a tongue? He said, you get the shoes, you get the tongues. You get the Holy Ghost, you get the tongues. You can't get rid of it. Yeah, it comes with the package. Yeah. The tongues comes with the package. You don't get them without the tongues. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that in the book of Acts in just a bit. But I want you to see what we saw right here. There's a difference between the river, the new birth, and the Holy Ghost, which is being filled. And the rivers begin to come out. Is that the Bible? Hey, man, we see some things there, but I want to look at a couple other things in the book of John. I want you to look at John chapter 14 again. Verse 16, verse 17. And Jesus said, and I will pray the father, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not. And right there's a good faith scripture. You know, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, because they can't see these spiritual things, they can't receive these spiritual things. But we're not walking by sight. We're walking by the word of God. It says they can't receive the Holy Ghost because they can't see the Holy Ghost. I don't see him either. But I know he's in me. I know he's on me. I know he's with me. So I receive him because Jesus said I could. It says, they don't receive the Holy Ghost because they see him not, neither knoweth him. But look at this. But you know him. He dwelleth with you as shall be in you. He dwelleth with you as shall be in you. How many know that the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time around the world? So he's dwelling with people everywhere. But Jesus said, I'm praying that he'll be in you. He wants to move from the outside to the inside to have the fullness of what he has for you. Amen. Now look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. And Jesus said here, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. The Amplified Bible says he'll send him in place of Jesus to represent Jesus. 
And I remember one day, back in the uh, early 80s, I was driving my truck, had a little brake time, and I had a little amplified Bible. I pulled off the side of the road, and I saw that verse come alive to me that day. You know, I, I don't know, we got a different generation here, and things have changed what you see in life. But back when I was growing up, we grew, we grew up a big-time wrestling. As a bunch of boys in Indianapolis, we had wrestling stars that had this phony wrestling stuff that everybody thought was real, but everybody knew wasn't real. But we always had the same scene in these shows, in these wrestling matches. They used to have tag team matches. And the bad guys always cheated. The referee always looked the other way. And then when the good guys, they tried to help each other. The referee caught what they was doing, and they got penalized. So anyway, these tag teams, they'd be out there wrestling, and the other guy would have to reach out and tag, and then come out, the fresh guy came in, and the beat-up guy went out. Well, what I saw this here, Jesus never got beat up, never got defeated. But what I saw this, when Jesus went up, the Holy Ghost come down, and I saw Jesus going up, and they had a tag team thing. The Holy Ghost, okay, my turn, I'm coming in. And that's what it says, that the Holy Spirit is coming down in place of Jesus to represent Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, Jesus could only be one place at a time because he was limited to his physical body. Wherever Jesus showed up in that physical body, he could help people. Multitudes thronged him. Multitudes came around him. And then, just a side note, they'll say multitudes killed him. But anyway, they turned on him. And so Jesus, wherever he showed up, and the Bible teaches us Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. When he showed up, the power of God showed up because he was filled with the Spirit. Well, when Jesus went up to heaven, he sent the Spirit down to us. And so now wherever we show up, the Holy Ghost shows up. And when the Holy Ghost shows up, the power of God shows up. In other words, now Jesus can be in an infinite number of places at the same time now, actually helping people, not just by his spirit, but Jesus said, you lay hands on them in my name. You cast out devils in my name. You speak in tongues in my name. Said what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so everywhere we go, we can take the power of the Holy Ghost with us because Jesus said, he's with you, but he'll be in you. And then he said, my father's going to send him to you. Did you get anything out of this? Amen, amen, amen. And so we see right here then, it says, whom the father will send to my name, even the spirit of truth proceeds from the father. It says, he shall testify of me. Now look at verse 26. The comforter. It's the Holy Ghost in my name. He'll teach you all things. He'll teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And so you can have a man or woman of God teaching the Bible because God anoints us to teach. But what really teaches you is the one that's in you. The Holy Spirit is making it come alive to you. He's showing things to you. And you know something that... I found out over the years about different Christians. He says right here, he says, he'll bring to your remembrance what I've said unto you. And so you have to spend time for him to say it unto you, for he reminds you of what he told you. You know, if uh, somebody tells you something in life, and, uh, they ask you next week, hey, do you remember what I told you? Yeah, I remember. But if they didn't tell you, you're not going to remember it because you're not a mind reader. And so the thing is, if Christians want God to show them things when they need it. They spend time with God so he can tell it. What I found out as a baby Christian, because I do zero Bible, I had to start learning. I had to start feeding on the milk of the Word. I had to start sitting in services, reading my Bible, taking notes. I do nothing. And so sometimes God would supernaturally, when I needed it, lead me to a passage. I mean, it's one of those things now, you don't want to live this way, but if you know nothing, God will do this for you. Oh, my Bible. And there it was God talking to me. I don't my Bible. There it was God talking to me. Because I did not know to turn to John 3.16. I did not know I'd go to Acts 10.38. I didn't know I'd go to Philippians 4.13 because I didn't even know they were in the Bible. But after I'm born again, then God expects me to start feeding myself. So I start getting them in me. And then I'm in time of crisis. I've always said it like this. Holy Ghost, what's in the concordance in that area? And I've got dozens of scriptures probably in each, in about any area of life I'm ever going to deal with. If I, if I'm working with a family, they come into my office, they're having kid problems. I look down the side and I say, Holy Ghost, what's in there on kids? And I 
stakes are coming out of me about child trading, about submission, about parents loving the children, not badgering them, and those kind of things. Or if it's husband and wife things, about sex or any other area of the Bible that I've got in me, I say, Lord, what is that about there? Holy Ghost, what is it? He says, he'll bring to my remembrance what he said to me. And so I reach in there, and you probably see that lots of times she'll be up there, and you'll say, Pastor, where's that at? I pop right out because I've taken the time to put it in there. And so the Lord will bring out what you've let him put in. You know, you can't say, God, please remind me of that. If all you've ever watched is whatever you watch, I don't even know what you watch. Or play goofy things on your iPhone all day long. Say, God, remind me of that. All, all you hear is, Sega. You know, or what was that other thing, Muriel or Mario or something? Those games our kids used to play, you know, if all you put Mario in, Mario's going to come out. Sega's in, Sega comes out. Whatever you put in, that's what's going to come out. And so he said, the Holy Ghost will teach you. He will bring you remembrance. And so you need the Holy Ghost in you to help you do those things. I want you to look at chapter 15, verse 26. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. He shall testify of me. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's much more easy to be bold and testify. It just comes right out because you're filled full of the Holy Ghost and all he wants to talk about is Jesus. Then Jesus comes out when you're full of the Holy Ghost. Now look at chapter 16. This is verses that I learned and got in me as a baby Christian helped me do the things I do today. I got a hold of these things. I still feed on these things. They still strengthen me. They still, still help me to be able to be bold like I've been tonight to help you. Because if I'm talking about what I think, I don't have a lot of boldness to talk to you. But I'm talking about what the Bible says. I can look you in the eye and be very bold to tell you this is what God's saying to you. This is what God wants to do for you. Because the Holy Ghost in me testifies of him. And that's what he says he'll do. So John 16, verse 13, <clears throat> says this. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And so, you know, something that uh, I, I know about that, about life. There are a lot of popular doctrines that aren't Bible doctrines that come around from time to time. I remember in this church, oh boy, it's probably been 10, 11 years ago, there's some really weird dudes on the national front in America preaching some very dangerous false doctrines. And I had some church leaders in this church at the time that got sucked into hook, line, and sinker. And they tried to get me to come get hooked up with it, and I just knew, I knew by the Spirit in me, this doctrine's wrong, and in America, different cities, these guys were showing up by the multitudes to watch these guys preaching, because they were demonstrating they had glitter. You know those say that all the glitters isn't gold? These guys had a lot of false signs and miracles and things like that, but I knew by the Spirit, this isn't right, I listened, and so they weren't on TV yet. They were on the Internet. So these people in the church here kept bugging me and bugging me. Well, at least listen to them. At least give them a chance. And I could just tell it was wrong before I ever do anything. So we went home after Sunday morning church. They told me this guy's doing a big rally down in Florida. So I turned the thing on. I listened to it for about two minutes. And about out of his mouth is coming wrong doctrine. I could tell that. And multitudes are being deceived by these people. But the Spirit of God in me showed it was wrong. Long story short. Took about, I think, what, about three years. That guy and the ones with him were exposed. They were adulterers. They were homosexuals. They had all kinds of sexual perversion of sin going on. They were just all kinds of bad things going on in their lives, and everything crashed. But the thing was, they were saying things people liked. They were saying things people wanted to hear. People want the supernatural. You don't have to compromise to get the supernatural. The supernatural will follow the preaching of God's word. The supernatural will come from the Holy Ghost in you. The supernatural doesn't have to steal people's money, doesn't have to mess around with the single women, the married women, to try to get things. They're not, these guys aren't rock stars. They're supposed to be representing Jesus. But the Spirit of God in you 
will bear witness of you if something's right or not. And so, you know, like tonight, here we are preaching. This may be some stuff that you haven't heard before, may be different to you. But on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit will teach you this is either right or there's something wrong here. And you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. This is such an advantage when he gets in you. So it says, he will guide you into all truth. Look at this. For he shall not speak of himself, <clears throat> but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall I speak. And he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. So many testimonies I heard tonight of God telling people. What did he tell you, Dylan? Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Things take care of. He'll show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. I can't tell you how many times over the last 37 and a half years, I would look at these verses right here I'm reading, and I'd say, Jesus, I'd say, Holy Ghost, what are you hearing? Because the Holy Ghost is listening to God. He's listening to Jesus. It says, it says he will tell you what he's hearing. So he'll glorify me. He'll take a mind and show it to you. I say, Holy Ghost, anything you want to show me today from Jesus, anything you want to show me, anything you want to tell me, Holy Ghost, I want to know about it. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, they shall take a mind and shall show it unto you. And so the Holy Ghost will do so much for you that you can't do without the Holy Ghost. There's one thing to have the well. There's another thing to have the river. You want the river after you get the well. I want to show you something. I'll go through the book of Acts really quickly here. I want you to look at Acts chapter 1. Everybody doing okay? <clears throat> and take notes. Get this. If you need more, you can get more. But you can take this to your friends that need the power of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Well, verse 5. It says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Jesus said, there's a difference between baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptism with water. And then verse 8, he says, you shall receive power. After that, or that means when the Holy Ghost come upon you, you shall receive power and you'll be witnesses unto me. And so the Holy Ghost gives you power to be witnesses and I want you to notice something here also, verse 14. I've just skipped through this for time to show you some key parts of this first chapter, the beginning of the church. It says this in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now look at this. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So Jesus' brothers, his mother, and the women in that group were up in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. It says that in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, number of names together were about 120 people. And so out of that 120 people there, Jesus' mother was there and other women were there. And so get over to verse 2 then. The prayer meeting continues. Peter's doing some preaching. And it says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's where the river came in. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And who were they all? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the women, and the twelve, and the other people who were there. So in other words, it wasn't just the twelve that got this. His own mother got this. And, you know, I've always thought this. Man, if Jesus wanted his mom to have this, why shouldn't I want it? Amen. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want you to see something here that maybe you haven't saw before. But it says the Spirit moved on them. They did the speaking. They spake after he moved. A lot of times people have wanted the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They've been prayed for, hands laid on them, and they'll feel the throat start tightening up and things start happening, but they're afraid to say anything. All they say is something like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Well, that's when you need to shut your head off and shift to your spirit, and you begin to speak as he gives you utterance. says they begin to speak, it doesn't say God begin to speak. They begin to speak. 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right now, my Spirit is giving me utterance to speak to you in English. I'm knowing what to say, and so I'm the one doing the speaking, but it's on the inside of me, but I'm bringing it out in English because we're not talking in tongues. We're talking in English. But when the Holy Ghost comes on you and gets in you, He will give you utterance. That means things will come to your head. How many here have been filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues? A lot of you. Well, how many noticed when that happened, words came to you, maybe just one word, but you had to speak it out. Have you spoke it out? You got it when he filled you, but you had to speak it out to walk in it. Amen. And so Jesus said the Holy Ghost will be in you. It'll come out of you like rivers of living water. Look at Acts chapter 10. I'm going to show you something else. This is another really good passage. And this is ten years after the day of Pentecost. And so at this point in time, the Jews had uh, are really the only ones that had received Jesus because he hadn't come to the Gentiles yet. And so he moved on Peter because they, uh, they, they, they thought they were supposed to be a separate special people, which they are, but so are Christians or anybody else belongs to God. But Peter had a dream. He had a night vision, and God told him to preach to these Gentiles. And so I want you to look here at Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter's preaching. Get out of verse 44. And it says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which what? Heard the word. What you're preaching about, God will confirm. So he's preaching to them. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that's the Jewish people, which believed, were astonished. As many as, as many as came with Peter, because that, look at this, on the Gentiles, the non-Jews also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how did they know, it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They knew they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It says the reason they knew, because they began to speak with tongues. And they speak with tongues, contrary to people who don't understand this, they wouldn't glorify the devil, says they magnified God. They spake with tongues and that was magnifying God. And so I want you to see this again. It says they heard them speak with tongues. God wasn't speaking with tongues. God wouldn't make them speak with tongues. But when the Holy Ghost came in them, they had to open their mouth and do some speaking. So just like in Acts chapter 2, it says when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake with tongues. Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Ghost came on them, they spake with tongues. And so if you get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight and you want that, something's going to come on you. And when it comes on you, you're the one that's got to do the speaking. I want to look at one more passage. I want to look at Acts chapter 19. How many want more of God? More of the power of God. Take it to your friends. Take it to your family. We need the power of God these last days, guys. We need the power of God. Acts chapter 19, and this is 20 years after Pentecost. This is 20 years later. <clears throat> it says that it came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now look at this, what Paul said. This is 20 years after Pentecost. He said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And I, I want to tell you another little personal story really quickly. The difference between a church like ours and a church that believes in the Holy Ghost but doesn't do a lot of Bible teaching. That Pentecostal church I started going to back in January of 1980, uh, I got born again on January 29th. I gave my heart to Jesus. I know right when it happened. Anyway, a few days later I was at a church service. They had Thursday night and Friday night services. And I come from the Baptist church. I didn't know there was any Holy Ghost. I knew Jesus. I knew the new birth. I knew born again. But anyway, people that are full of the Holy Ghost, they want everybody to have the Holy Ghost. And so these people then, after the service, I think it was Thursday night, I've seen Thursday Friday, I'm pretty sure it was Thursday night. All of a sudden, here I am, first week of February. I just got born again January 29th, and the service is over, and about a half a dozen serious tongue-talking Pentecostals surrounded me before I could get out. And, you know, this was all brand new stuff to me, man. I mean, I am I am in the incubator. I've just been born again, man. I mean, you know, I don't even know how to breastfeed yet. I don't know anything. And so these people surround me. You need to baptize the Holy Ghost. 
And I said, Brother Dixon baptized me. That's what I was a freshman in high school. Brother Dixon, the Baptist church, we call the pastor brother. And so I said, Brother Dixon baptized me. And they said, you need to baptize the Holy Ghost. And I said, Brother Dixon baptized me. And they wouldn't let me leave. They said, you need to baptize the Holy Ghost. I said, Brother Dixon baptized me. And we went around in circles. And they just kept telling me I needed to baptize. And I'd never been taught the Bible on this. I'm showing you the Bible tonight. How the Bible talks about baptizing the Holy Ghost and baptism and things like that. Well, nobody told me there was anything at all. So I was like these guys. I mean, basically what I said, what they said. I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. I didn't know. I was ignorant. They didn't teach me. I'm a pastor teaching you and feeding you with knowledge and understanding. So anyway, these guys worked on me and worked on me. They were wearing me down. You need to baptize the Holy Ghost. Nobody said the Bible teaches this. Nobody said there's a difference between born again and being filled with the Spirit. Nobody said those things. I didn't know anything. I was totally ignorant. Well, anyway, God, God miraculously filled me on the 4th of February. I was in my truck, man. Come down, woo, through my truck, and man, did I get it. And I had it ever since. So I want you to see this here. So this is going on here. It says in verse 3, And he said to them, unto them, What were you baptized? They said to him, John's baptism. We remember John the Baptist baptized the people of the river Jordan for the remission of sins. And so then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people, they shall believe on him which shall come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they got baptized after they were born again in the name of Jesus. And then look at this. Water baptized. And then it says, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And so Paul laid hands on them after they were water baptized. He laid hands on them. And who spoke in tongues? They did the speaking. They spake with tongues when the Holy Ghost came on them. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost then. They were believers, didn't know about the Holy Ghost. They learned about the Holy Ghost. Then they got filled with the Holy Ghost to baptize the Holy Ghost. And the first thing that happens, they begin speaking with tongues and prophesying. As soon as the Holy Ghost came. So you see some things tonight. That's where the power of God comes in. And in my life, by getting born again on January 29, 1980, and then baptizing the Holy Ghost on February the 4th, all I can say is that for me, it was like going on a, you know, I, I, just, I, I just always saw it like this. I watched corny shows a long time ago. Back in the 1950s, they had this show called Superman. Anybody ever see the old Superman, the real Superman? Well, I remember one time in this show, Clark Kent was at this carnival. And they had this belt that you hit the big sledgehammer. Go up, if you hit the bing at the top of it, you got the prize. Clark Kent walked up there, and they didn't know he was Superman. He hit that thing, and that thing went up and knocked it off and went on up in the universe somewhere. When I got born again, that was awesome. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, man. It went into orbit. Just absolutely, there was no comparison to being baptized in the Holy Ghost and born again. Born again got me to heaven. But I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got heaven in me. And I knew it. And the world around me knew it. Last thing I want to show you is Luke chapter 11. I'm giving you an education in the Word. Because people didn't give this to me. And if those Pentecostals could have done this with me, they could have got some results with me right then that night. They didn't teach me. I'm teaching you what the Bible has to say. And the Bible doesn't wave ignorance. When you sit in the Bible in multiple places, you know it's God. And so Luke chapter 11, verse 9, <clears throat> Jesus said this, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. And you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Have you ever heard that verse before? You ask, you seek, you knock. And look at this. Jesus said, everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. How many here have been seeking God for more? You've been asking, seeking, knocking. That's how I was back in 1980. I knew there's more to life than what I had. 
I started seeking. I got born again. I was hungry and I got filled. And so he says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So what he's saying is this. If you're a good dad or a good mom, you are not going to give your kids something going to hurt them. You're not going to give them poison. You're not going to give them something dangerous that's going to get them in trouble. You're going to give them good things that they ask. He says, if you then been evil, or that another word for that would be worldly, if you're worldly parents down here, he said, if you give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He said, if you're asking your father for something good, he's not going to give you a demon spirit. Because see, so many times people have been taught these tongues, these things are of the devil. But Jesus said, if you're a believer, you're talking to the father and you say, Father, I want all you've got. Father, give me the Holy Spirit. He said, you're not going to get a demon. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. And so I remember... When those Pentecostals had me surrounded that night, I remember my desperate prayer, what I said to get them off my case. All I did in my heart, through the midst of all that confusion, and tried to overwhelm me and try to overpower me. I said, Jesus, I said, I have no idea what they're talking about. But if what they're talking about is something you've got for me, I want it. And that's why on February the 4th, I got it. Because my heart said, I want what you've got for me. I don't know about this Holy Ghost stuff they're saying, but I want it if it's for me. And I got it. Changed my life forever. I began then to be groomed by God for the ministry because I began to be able to get closer, hungrier, walk in more, and do more. Amen. So let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 